Welcome to Zen for Everyday Life with Matt Valentine. Insight, inspiration, and wisdom for living a more mindful, peaceful, and joy-filled life. Episode number 14. Alright, welcome to a new episode of Zen for Everyday Life. I am Matt Valentine, and this is the official Budaimonia.com podcast. Today, I think that you're really going to like the episode today. It is, it's going to be an episode in which I open up uh, quite a bit. If you've been following the blog for a while, you know that it's not all that uncommon for me to open up. In fact, uh, given the topic, just given what it is that that we talk about each week, I feel that it's extremely helpful that I open up about my own life so that you can see concrete examples of the various different things that I talk about. Uh, but I don't think I've had, maybe a little bit here and there, but I don't think I've had a clear opportunity, at least uh, one that made sense to do that yet on the podcast. Um, but today's today's uh, topic is I picked it out of my upcoming book, This Moment, How to Live Fully and Freely in the Present Moment, which is coming next month in February. And I, I wanted to pick out, I wanted to do a, a reading from something that was going to be included in the book. And in thinking about it, there was something that was going on in my life right now that perfectly aligned with something within the book that is really, to me, one of the topics that's most beneficial to talk about, that people are impacted by the most. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today without giving anything away yet. And uh, as I said, I really open up about something that has been going on right now in my life. And so I think for that reason, it'll be even more powerful because you'll actually see an example of that uh, in action, both the happening of it, the bad side of it, and the moving past it as well. So, but before we get to today's episode, I want to remind everyone that you can visit buddhaimonia.com, which is the word Buddha in the letters I-M-O-N, ia.com. Uh, you can get my weekly blog posts. Uh, I write usually now twice weekly blog. I've been writing that for about two years. That's actually how the podcast started. So you can check that out. There's a lot of things on the blog, including a lot of different mindfulness and meditation guides. Uh, if you're new to the practice to help you get started, the podcast episode show notes, my books, including my upcoming book, you can go to thismomentbook.com and I'll send you straight to the, the page and you can actually sign up to get more information about the book whenever it comes out. Uh, but yeah, so you can go to thismomentbook.com. If you can go on buddhaimonia.com, you can check out my other books that are out as well. And there's various other resources for you guys too. Plus, you can get the weekly Buddhaimonia newsletter by going to buddhaimonia.com slash newsletter. And lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to buddhaimonia.com slash support. Your donation will help pay for the time and money I put into the podcast and allow me to continue bringing you great content each week. And with that said, let's get to today's episode. Today we're going to talk about 
how to adapt to life's curveballs and go with the flow. And I put as a subtitle to this, friction, resistance, and when to let go. And it's on top of letting go, I also should have included aversion. Aversion is something I'm going to talk about today as well. But adapting to life's curveballs and going with the flow, that's really what what today's talk is about. Before I get into the real talk today, I wanted to explain a concept very carefully because that's really what this entire episode is about. And that is, you could call it friction or resistance. It's really the same thing, just at different stages. When I say resistance, the really the best way to describe both, actually, is that friction is caused when we resist the present moment. And we are caused quite a lot of suffering from that friction, which is caused from the resistance. So we're living our lives and certain things happen. And in one way or another, either pushing or pulling, we resist what is occurring in our lives. The reality of our lives, we're resisting it. Uh, either we try to act like it isn't true, we try to act like something else is true, we try to push it away, we try to hold on to it, and not let it go. There's various different ways that we do that, but it's all some form of resistance, resisting the present moment, the present reality of our lives. And by resisting in that way, we cause friction in our lives. And I like the word friction because you imagine a sort of, you you imagine that it's something that is potentially damaging. Friction, you, you two things colliding, two things rubbing up against each other. And that's very much what's happening in this case. As opposed to ourselves moving, flowing along with what's happening in our lives, you could sort of imagine two things traveling parallel to one another. What's happening is is these two things are colliding into one another, or we are colliding into something else and causing that friction. And so that's really what today is about. That friction causes so much suffering for us in so many different ways. And if we ever hope to be happy, we need to identify all the ways we resist and then work on minimizing, and in some cases even potentially eliminating, which is sometimes possible as well, minimizing or eliminating the friction which we cause. Okay, so that's really what today is about. And as you can see, that is, it's such an important principle. It's something that I think intuitively people know is important. Often when I talk about it on the blog, the few times here and there that I have talked about it in various different degrees, it always, it always garners a large response. People always identify with it. And it is very, the answer to it, to working through that, that resistance, those moments, those ways in which we resist and minimizing or eliminating that friction. The ways to do that are things that are very straightforward. They're not things that are, uh, you know, they're not, they're not out there. They're very con. There's very concrete ways in which we, in which we can work through the the ways we resist and that friction that we cause in our life. Uh, and so, this is this talk itself is themed after, and the reading that I'm going to do today, which I'm going to mention more in a little bit, is is what my upcoming book 
this moment is about. I wanted to take a moment to mention that. I wanted to do some sort of some sort of a themed podcast episode since the release of the book is coming out is is getting up uh getting pretty close and there's there's four sections to the book and I've been piecing this entire message together for some time the message of the book to me is so so important and without giving too much away uh I posted the the table of contents by the way this week uh, if you check out the blog, you can see the table of contents. Now, that's tentative. Definitely some things are going to change. But you get a really good idea of the sort of general idea of the book. So if you want to check out, check that out, you can go to buildingmoney.com uh, slash blog. And it's it's one of the top, one of the last top couple of posts there. Uh, but there's four major ideas in the book, which is living mindfully, living simply, living naturally, and living with love. This post is about the third principle, living naturally. And in living naturally, I talk about a lot of different things. I talk about letting go. I talk about when to let go, when to hold on, uh, those different principles. I talk a lot about friction and resistance. I talk about some things that I've talked about uh, on the podcast a little bit here and there, but how to be yourself how to be yourself in every moment, and the various different things that we run into with regards to expressing ourselves honestly. So today is that this idea of friction and resistance is really kind of an overarching theme of this section, of this third section. And so I'm going to do a short talk, and then I'm going to do a reading from a blog post, which is personally one of my favorites of all time. And I'm going to talk a little bit more in a bit. But it's a post that perfectly exemplifies that idea. This moment is a collection of writing that I've done on the blog, as well as original writing as well. It's a mix of those two things. Uh, each of my books that I've done so far has been a great mix of those things. I feel that that's the most powerful form, as opposed to all original, uh, because there's certain moments in which I was I was perfectly in that moment of that theme of whatever that is that I'm writing about, and I couldn't possibly write write about that better than I did in that moment in which I was living that. And so this is a case where that that applies perfectly uh, with regards to the, the reading that I'm going to do from the blog. Before I get to that, I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on, uh, something that's going on in my life right now. And that's the reason why I wanted to talk today about this topic of adapting life's curveballs and really going with the flow and these principles of, of resistance and friction and aversion and, and when to let go and when to hold on, uh, which people are so often interested in. And it can be a confusing, confusing topic. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to give everybody a little bit of forewarning. I might end up mentioning something like this in the intro, but uh, given the nature of the topic and my blog, I feel it's very helpful to be open, honest, and as tra transparent as possible. Uh, if I never open up to you, you might think that, you know, I was like this perfect person who is mindful all the time and always able to let go and never angry. And that's just not the case for me or for anyone. That's not what living skillfully looks like. We don't become superheroes and, uh, it, you know, enlightened beings even like even the Buddha had challenges, many challenges during his lifetime. There's many documented challenges that, that he had during his lifetime, various different challenges that his Sangha, his community went through uh, even after 
even after he had become enlightened. And so I wanted to make sure to mention up front that I do open up about certain things sometimes, and I'm very open and transparent, but I, I do it to be helpful, and I feel that it helps quite a bit. And I want you guys to see clearly what this looks like in real life, because this is something that confused me for a while. And, uh, you know, we get this image of this perfectly enlightened person in our minds, uh, but that's just not really how it goes. It just, it doesn't work out that way. It's not, you know, what differentiates the person which makes the effort to live mindfully, to live the path of peace, as I often call it, is how they react to what happens. It's not whether something happens, it's how they react to what happens. So, you know, I often open up on the blog and will on the podcast about my life so that you can have a more concrete example of how some of the things that we talk about, that I talk about, look in real life. It's always very, very important to me to get out of, you know, the hypothetical talk and into reality and showing how these principles apply to your daily life. So the reason I decided to talk about this today is because it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately. Uh, I recently, for the first time ever, connected with my father's side of the family. Now, to make a long story short, I grew up never knowing my real father. Uh, the, the, the stepfather that I grew up with, I thought was my father for a number of years, and then I found out was not, and it was around the time I was, I was a mid, mid-teens that I found that out. And um, so I found that out, and a number of, a number of years went by. And uh, at one point, uh, there was some sort of contact made. There was some sort of contact made between family members of both of both sides, and I had the opportunity to reach out to the the widow or the the the, the wife of my of my father, and um, it was at that same time that I discovered that he had passed that he had actually passed in a car accident around the time that I would have been, I believe, 12, I believe. And so I'm finding this out sometime around age of 22 or 23. I think it was 23, I believe. Uh, and so that was difficult to find out that I would, I knew that I had never gotten to meet my father. But I just always thought in my mind that I would eventually have the opportunity to meet him. And to find out that I would never have that opportunity was, was pretty difficult. I mean, that, that was, you can imagine that was a difficult thing to take. And so fast forward from that moment, I, for one reason or another, just couldn't bring myself to, to connect, to connect. And there was just something there holding me holding me back. You know, I, I, I put it off countless times and my wife told me to, to contact them countless times and I put it off countless times and just without any thought of it, really. Always, you know, I'd always tell her and myself that I'd get around to it. I told myself that you know, my focus was my family right now and that there would be the right time. It would come around. But more and more time went on. And eventually it got to the point I see now that I wouldn't have ever done anything 
if it not for my wife, Edith. But I still had a choice, even at that point. So there was new contact made, and there was one of my family members was was on Facebook, and I don't, I have no, I don't even know how that happened. Maybe it was just the last names adding up, aligning up, and Facebook just sort of identified identified this or something. I, I don't I still don't even know exactly how it happened, but um, my wife made contact, and so. Here I am getting introduced via my, which is my aunt, and she's sort of, there's a lot of excitement, and she's introducing me to various different people. This is, of course, happening uh, online via Facebook, so there's nothing in person yet or anything, but but I still had a choice at that point. So I had sort of put it off for a while. There was something underneath there that was keeping me from acting, but I still had a choice at that point, even then. I could brush it off and sink down, you know, hiding away from Facebook and not connect with anyone. Everyone, in fact, everyone seemed very understanding that it would be a lot for me to take in all the new things I was learning, new people I was meeting, you know, even if only online for the most part, without me even saying anything, they all just sort of assumed that it would be a lot for me to take in. And so they, they sort of initiated in that, in that sort of tone of, you know, it's a lot to take in, just take it however, however quickly you'd like to take it, whatever pace you'd like to take it. So I very well could have done that. I very well could have continued to brush it off and just push it aside. But my practice told me differently. I knew I was hiding, holding back, trying to push this away because there was something uncomfortable there. You see, there, there isn't just attachment. The issue isn't just letting go. There's also aversion which is our reaction to what we, 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 what we don't like or what makes us feel unpleasant. That's really the opposite side. And there's a lot of talk about letting go, but in Buddhist wisdom, there's only one, that's only one side of things. Aversion is a very big cause of suffering as well. And in this case, I eventually identified that that was exactly what was happening to me. I was pushing it away because it didn't feel good. However subtle, it caused me some sort of suffering. And I was running from that. But something really remarkable happened when I finally decided to open up. You see, in that moment, when I could have decided to hide away and brush the whole thing off, my practice of living mindfully, of looking within myself, of living deeply, of really taking the microscope to my life and my mind and and just living in a very deep and and mindful way through that sort of innate wisdom that comes from from that practice naturally i knew to have courage and turn towards the pain i knew that running away would would really only make things worse i knew true freedom existed in walking into the fire so to speak and you know what happened? I walked in and realized a great feeling of liberation. I've since discovered that my father's side of the family is gigantic, <laughs> whereas the only family I ever knew of was less than I could count on my two hands. It was the other side of my family is so small, and and this side is filled with love and affection, which is really something I did not get much of growing up. 
I was really devoid of, of a lot of that growing up. And so it's, it was really surprising. It was really kind of shocking, but it was such a welcome surprise. It was something that I had really kind of only seen in movies before, and I hadn't really seen the, the real thing. And so, yeah, it was, it was such a welcome surprise. It was so amazing. And, and while I'm taking everything in stride, of course, it's still, it's a lot to take in. I have a lot to catch up on and many, many new faces to meet. I'm no longer pushing. I'm walking in, welcoming openly whatever I find. And it's been a very, very freeing experience. Now, I hope that story helps you see clearly how the principles of resistance and friction affect our life in a very in a very concrete sense. There's many ways that this can manifest. There's so many different ways, but seeing even one example for me at least can often be all I need to understand clearly and begin to put into practice. So having said that, I'd like to now do a reading uh, of the blog post that I mentioned. I wrote this uh, almost a year ago. It was posted about a month and a half after that. Uh, so it was almost exactly a year ago that I, I wrote this. And it's titled, Zen and the Art of Adapting to Life's Curveballs, which is part of where I get today's title. Now, it's funny because it's never been the most popular post. And by that, by that I mean, at least it's never attracted all that much all that many people, you know, all that much web traffic, probably because the title wasn't, you know, wasn't drawing enough, wasn't catchy enough. And unfortunately, that's just the way of the internet. You can write something great, but if the title doesn't attract people, it goes to waste. And that's just something that you have to face up to. But the funny thing is to date, of those that did read it, I've gotten one of my most enthusiastic responses. It's not the kind of post really that attracts search visitors on Google or again, which has a catchy title or anything, but it's one which deeply affected many people, including me. Uh, it's one of my personal favorite in the two years that I've been writing on the blog, and it perfectly explains the topic of this episode so well that I've included it in, as I mentioned, in my upcoming book this moment. And as I mentioned, the the book is a combination between material that I've written on the blog as well as original writing material, which all comes together to tell one unified story. And it's a very important message, which I've been working on for quite a long time. And today's topic and the reading I'm about to do tells the story of the, the as I mentioned, the third of the four major principles, which uh, I titled Living Naturally. So here is Zen and the art of adapting to life's curveballs. If a man has nothing to eat, fasting is the most intelligent thing he can do. Herman Hesse The Freak Out Two weeks ago, I found out I was going to be a father for the third time. We didn't plan it. I'll get back to that in a sec. The way we normally go about our lives our brains use our local consciousness to gather information and make both small and larger predictions in order to create the best chance for our survival. And generally, as humans, we're often not just trying to survive, but we're trying to take steps to thrive. Specifically, 
to overcome our troubles and find peace, to be happy and enjoy our lives, and to forge some sense of greater meaning. But because we only have so much power to change the world around us, and because our predictions can't be right 100% of the time, we're constantly hit with surprise events, which we didn't predict or expect would arise, i.e. the curveball. So we do our best to not only predict what will happen so as to be ready for it, but also to affect the world around us in our favor in various ways. But what do we do when shit totally hits the fan, as it so often does? When I found out I was going to be a father for the third time, on the cusp of my wife and I's upcoming wedding, which we never had a formal wedding ceremony for, writing and working like a madman on everything but Imonia, and the already full-time job that has taken care of our two little dudes, I was honestly a little freaked out and questioned whether we'd be able to handle it. What on earth were we going to do? She already had a hard enough time taking care of these two crazy dudes during the day while I worked. What were we going to do with a third? On top of that, the community at Budaimonia has really taken off. Was this going to crush that? Was I just going to be so busy taking care of my three children that this amazing project I've devoted so much of my life to was just going to rot from neglect? I started to flash back to all the conversations I've had with so many of you through the past couple of months. All the great things that are happening here and will happen in the future. And the force for good Budaimonia could grow into in the future. Then I instinctively imagined my books, notes, and all of Budaimonia burning in a great big fire. Never to be seen again. It's all over, man. Why did you have to do it? Shining a light. All of that went through my mind over the course of about two minutes. Our minds can do the most irrational things at times. Once I came to grounding myself with my mindful breathing, I did a few things. One, I recognized the emotions running through me with my mindfulness and simply observed them for a while, seeing that they weren't attached to rational thought or were in any way sensible. Two, I realized the amazing gift that this new child would be and accepted her or him fully in my mind with love. Don't go through a pregnancy despising your future child for what they kept you from doing. It's a sure way to depression and resentment. Three, I thought more closely about the fact that our oldest son, Malik, could actually be a big help to my wife and I with regards to taking care of this new baby. Four, I reminded myself of my growing flexibility with my work and reaffirmed that nothing would ever keep me from giving my best effort to this, but Imonia, which I've put my heart and soul into. But most of all, I openly and consciously accepted everything as it was, including whatever may come. Now, I couldn't feel better about the whole situation. I know it won't be easy, but whatever is. I chose the Herman Hesse quote above because it perfectly describes my point. Accept everything openly and mindfully as it is, 
Resistance creates friction, which keeps you from peace. Not having food or drink might sound like an extreme example, but it gets the point across perfectly. If you don't have food to eat, and you're constantly thinking and stressing about the fact that you don't have food to eat, that's pressure you're placing on yourself. But accept the fact that you don't have food, and decide in your mind that you're fasting. And as a result of accepting the situation as it is, you'll release the friction keeping you from being at peace. Resisting the natural flow of life is like purposely pressing your hand up against the sanding belt. It's definitely not going to feel very good. And as much as you try to stop the sanding belt with your hand, you're just going to end up hurting yourself more. This is how most of us live our lives. We don't even notice that it's our resistance which is causing the friction, the suffering in our lives, and not the event itself. Some of this is easier said than done, admittedly, but no less true. What's important isn't perfection. It's simply that you make your best effort in each moment. That will be enough. You've got your entire life to work at it. The Monk and the Geisha I figured it'd be wise to explain this idea in a little more detail, as this is a topic easily misunderstood. There's an old Zen story about a priest and a geisha that perfectly exemplifies this point. A Zen Buddhist priest was among a group of guests who were attending a dinner party one evening. In traditional Japanese style, the guests were all seated on the floor surrounding a low rectangular table. Resting on the table in front of each guest was a small hibachi grill filled with hot coals. Each guest cooked their own portion of meat and vegetables, which were brought out by geishas and placed in various areas of the table. The priest noticed that one of the geishas conducted herself as if she might have had some Zen training. He decided to test her, so he called her over. The geisha knelt across the table from the priest and bowed. The priest bowed in return and said, I would like to give you a gift. Using his chopsticks, he reached into the hibachi, picked up a hot coal, and offered it to the geisha. She hesitated for a moment, then finally pulled the sleeves of her kimono down over her hands. She grabbed the coal, ran into the kitchen, and dropped it into a pan of water. Her hands were not hurt, but the beautiful kimono gown was ruined. When the geisha returned with a new kimono, she went back to the table and knelt across from the priest. She bowed to the priest. He bowed in return. Then she said, I would like to give you a gift as well. I would be honored, the priest replied. She picked up a pair of chopsticks removed a hot coal from the priest's grill, and offered it to him. The priest reached into his robe and took out a cigarette. As he leaned forward to light his smoke, he said, Thank you. That is exactly what I wanted. In this story, the priest, as well as the geisha, exemplify the true spirit of Zen. In the case of the geisha, she could have easily gotten angry at the priest, but the only thing anger would have done would be to burn her. 
Instead, she accepted the coal with her unrolled kimono and went into the other room to dispose of it and change. In the case of the priest, he didn't just roll with it, so to speak. He adapted the coal as a light for a cigarette. Both the priest and the geisha adapted to their situations and accepted what was presented to them without creating friction. Now, this may just be a story, but one which highlights an important point. To go with the natural flow of things is part of the path to peace and harmony within oneself. Keep in mind, this doesn't mean you should lie down and take whatever comes at you and live without goals or intentions. There is a time to act, but it should be done in the spirit of naturalness instead of in the spirit of resisting what is. It should also be done while considering the well-being of others as well as ourselves. And we should live mindfully in order to observe when we're creating that friction in order to be able to identify what's the natural way in the first place. When to push, when to go with it. Right about now, if you've been following along closely, you might be confused as to just how you're supposed to know when to push and when to go with the flow and adapt. There's no science to it. It's mostly intuitive. For the most part, it's our broad or greater intentions which make up the majority of our pushing efforts. For instance, deciding you're going to build a business, save for a house, or work towards a promotion. And it's life in the moment, which is where we must adapt and go with the flow. We set goals and intentions, and life moves along naturally, without any mind for those goals or intentions. In this way, life can often seem as though it's trying to keep us from accomplishing our goals, but it's really just impartial. So when we set our goals or intentions, and something gets in the way, the best thing to do isn't to give up on that goal or to fight back and continue to try to make it happen as is, but to adapt and accomplish it by going with the natural flow of things. In general, friction is caused because we fight back against what's presented to us. But we fight back because we had other plans or desires in the first place, something else we wanted to happen in a certain situation. So, it's those plans and predictions which are causing us to want to fight back against reality. So don't hesitate to set goals or make big plans. Simply do so without any attachment to them or to the way you originally expected to do or accomplish said thing. If something changes, you accept those changes openly and move with them. Have courage. The ability to adapt at a moment's notice to the curveballs of life, whether big or small, while not labeling them bad and just going with the natural flow of life, is a big deciding factor in our ability to maintain our peace of mind. By doing so, you consciously decide that you don't derive your peace and happiness from external events, but rather the deeper and ever-flowing thusness of life, resting in the present moment feeling the interconnectedness of all life, which is always available to us, no matter what's going on in our lives. If you're constantly reacting negatively to change, whether big or small, 
Whether it's trying to push or pull to change reality into something you believe is more pleasant, or just getting bitter and angry over what's already happened, then you'll be frequently unhappy with your life. In the modern world, there's such a strong sense of fight back, resist, make, slash, change your destiny. And to do so while not only ignoring our own well-being, but the well-being of others. There's nothing wrong with living purposely. But if you live your life thinking you're always fighting back against it, and everything in it, then you're just placing your hands on that sanding belt again. I grew up in the U.S., so I can't speak for anywhere else. But most Americans have a strong sense of this. Most of us grew up thinking that life was a constant pushing and pulling, fighting against the odds, against the forces, and making it happen no matter what. And while this mentality can help accomplish tasks, it creates a lot of harm too. Going with the natural flow of things isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and courage. It takes both to accept that you're not completely in control and to realize that you don't need to be to find happiness. And by doing so, you'll be well on your way to finding peace. So, baby number three. This is me announcing I'm rolling with it. Who's with me? The pain that you create now is always some form of non-acceptance, some form of unconscious resistance to what is. On the level of thought, the resistance is some form of judgment. On the emotional level, it is some form of negativity. The intensity of the pain depends on the degree of resistance to the present moment. Eckhart Tolle Okay, I hope you enjoyed that reading. That, uh, as I said, perfectly exemplifies the topic of today's, today's, uh, uh, today's topic. So I hope you got a lot from it. I feel that it just explains the topic so clearly and so concisely. And that was the reason why I wanted to include it in today's episode and read it. And uh, you now have two very clear examples so you can take those examples and hopefully see much more clearly how this applies to you and your life and how this actually looks in, in practice. And again, I hope you found it beneficial and I hope you enjoyed today's episode as well. Uh, if you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get future episodes downloaded straight to iTunes or wherever you choose to listen to the podcast. And again, if you'd like more, then you can head over to buddhaimonia.com and you can get uh, the blog, my latest blog posts, the podcast show notes as well. Uh, you can check out the original Zen and the Art of Adapting to Life's Curveballs post. Uh, check out the various books and other resources I offer and you can sign up to the weekly newsletter at buddhaimonia.com slash newsletter. And also, lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to buddhaimonia.com slash support. Your donation will help pay for the time as well as the money I put into the podcast and allow me to continue bringing you great content each week. So again, that's buddhaimonia.com slash support. And uh, make sure to check out this moment. It's Again, it's coming in February, so it's really close. It's less than a month away now. You can go to thismomentbook.com 
Uh, I am very, very looking forward to bringing it to you guys. As I said, it has it's a an overarching message uh, that an overarching practice as well, really that I have been piecing together that I feel is so important, so beneficial that I think so many are going to get so much value from that's going to create a real difference. So I'm excited to bring it to you. And uh, yeah, it's it's coming soon, really soon. So again, thismomentbook.com, you can sign up to get new information as soon as it's available. And this week's verse for everyday life is titled, Panic. As I breathe, I feel. Panic. Confusion. Unknown. Fear. Rest. Be mindful. Be centered. And smile. My mindful breathing grounds me. Like an anchor grounds a ship. Despite the strength of the sea. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and I will see you next week. Peace.